Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Foundation by Story Archives. I am your host, Mario Busto, alongside Zachary Newton, your other host. I mean, the other host. Welcome back. Hope we have your attention because this episode is all about whisper ships. And so we figured we'd speak the entire episode of whispers. It's very true. <laughs> Zach, I don't I don't think I can keep that up for the whole episode that we talked about. Not the whole episode, no, I suppose not. But hey, for the intro, it's pretty great. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning in to Foundation by Story Archives. I'm your host, Mario Busto, alongside the other host, Zachary Newton. Welcome We're back. back. With season two, episode seven, titled, I lost the title for this episode. What is it's a necessary death, man. A necessary death. You know, everything's blending together. I thought it was invasion. Something's changed. <laughs> I thought it was that. But speaking of our other shows, let's do the housekeeping right now because all your houses are really dirty. It's Sunday. Everybody put it off for Monday. They're like, you know what? I'll leave the clothes in the dryer. Mm-hmm. I'll leave the dishes in the sink. I'll, I'll I, do it in I the morning. Just but turned it off. Yeah. But we got to do this housekeeping before we start this pod. And we want to thank you again for tuning in. We hope you are enjoying our foundation coverage. We have officially three more episodes of seasons this season. Episodes eight, nine, and 10. And we are also in the middle of our invasion coverage. We are covering season two. We just wrapped up season one last week. If you didn't catch it, we dropped a season one wrap-up episode. Some of you out there seem to have enjoyed it this week. And we thank you for tuning in because we do this for you. And uh, we hope you are enjoying all of our coverage. We're planning on some things coming up. I'm feeling very festive. I'm, I mean, you know, I went to Starbucks today. All the pumpkin stuff is back. Oh, really? All right. I didn't get it, but I want to try the pumpkin cold brew. It looks really good. Okay. A non-sponsored ad. Um, but I want to do some spooky stuff. And Changeling comes out on September 8th on Apple TV. Looks pretty interesting. Has Lakeith Stanfield, who I'm a big fan of. And if it's any good, maybe we'll give it like the first episode or two. We'll see what's going on there. And if it's good, We'll do it. Well, we, I want one spooky show to carry us through October, you know? Yeah. And we'll see. But we also have uh, Lupin coming back on Netflix, which we have our season one coverage of, which if you haven't watched it, it's a great caper heist type show, which I'm a sucker for if you've listened to this podcast long enough. So yeah, we got that going on and we will plug everything else at the end of the episode. I think we got, I was doing some research on some future Apple TV shows. Mm-hmm. One of them really caught my eye. I'm not even going to say what it is, but- one of them caught my eye. I think we'll almost certainly be doing a podcast on it. And uh, it looks pretty epic. It is a sequel to a beloved series. And uh, I'm not going to say anything more than that. Uh, that's, that's all my tease is for all of you out there, all of you internet sleuths. And uh, one last shout out as we do housekeeping. Thank you to Susie from Germany for the lovely email. And she wanted a life update on the clear canoe. Okay. Remember the clear canoe from I, Foundation I Season 1? I do remember the clear canoe. Yeah. We did have somebody, and I have to go and look it up. Someone sent me a Reddit thread with this canoe, and that canoe does exist. So um, the canoe dream is possibly still alive. I may be able to get my hands on that clear canoe. Minus, minus the, the part where it just kind of puts itself together, of course. Yeah, maybe yeah. through an app update, but let's get it, into the yeah. episode. <laughs> let's do it. If you do get the canoe, though, let me know. I will. I will. I, you know... I'd rather have a beach condo and then get the canoe so I could just go out there. But <laughs> Those are very different price points, my friend. <laughs> yeah, I know. But, you know, canoe, I got to lug it to the beach. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. All right. Let's get into it. A necessary death. Does anybody die in this episode? Mm. That is the grand question, right? We talked about this yeah. before we went on air. The question is, is Harry Seldon quite possibly dead again? That would be simultaneously horrible and also hilarious at the same time that he was brought back to life just to die yeah just a couple days later yeah i find it hard to believe that that is the case though would we be surprised like really would we i don't know that we would i would be very surprised if harry seldon is dead yes i would be surprised well (laughs) how would you not be it is like (laughs) it is an interesting plot idea but there's a lot of things going on in this episode, and I think one of the themes of the episode is, 
and maybe of the entire show, to be honest, in, in general. That absolute power corrupts absolutely. I was listening to something today. Um, Tim Keller was talking about like how there's a law of thermodynamics, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's a law of thermodynamics. It pretty much essentially states that nature is like in a state of entropy. You know, there's okay. like if you leave things to their own devices, it kind of goes into chaos in some way. And if you think about it, this human nature here, you think about the three leaders we're seeing right now, or maybe four leaders, we talk about it. Day is corrupt as hell. Okay. Mm-hmm. He's corrupt. The empire is corrupt. Harry has pretty much ironically done the exact same thing that his psychohistory theories was against. He has created an immortal version of himself and he exists in two places at once pretty much at all times. Mm-hmm. And he's pretty much immortal, like almost more so than Day himself, right? Yeah. And then you have Tellum on Ignis, who has complete control over these people to the point where on the rewatch I was noticing, I don't think she can control Salvor because all of Gale's shots for the most part, aside from two scenes that I could pick up on, all of Gale's scenes have those blurry warped edges, okay? Mm-hmm. They got like kind mm-hmm. of that, you know, Gaussian blur effect yeah. on, on the outside of the frame. So I'm thinking she's heavily controlling Gale. And where we pick up in the beginning of this episode when we first get to Ignis, which by the way, beautiful, beautiful location. I'd love to know where they filmed that. I'm sure maybe someone out there could uh, enlighten us with that information. Uh, It felt like she was almost training herself to break free from the control that she could feel herself under, right? Mm -hmm. Because the whole episode, she's warning Salvor, like, you don't understand what's going on here. This is not the time to cause a ruckus. Thankfully, Salvor doesn't listen because maybe it leads to saving Harry and unraveling this whole thing but yeah if you notice later in the episode when she preaches and she teaches that you know all the people sitting around if there's no blurriness on the outer edges of her screen and there's also no blurriness on the outer edges of her screen when she talks to salvor on the beach so it makes me wonder if that's that's gail but the gail we see in the beginning of the episode on the rock who pushes salvor away that is tellum controlling her at that point Mm, tell him controlling it's still gale but you you mean it's tell him controlling her actions and things like that influencing them to a point where the outcome of the conversation is going the direction that tell him wants it to go right be interesting so anyways going back to it tell him is pretty much corrupt as as a leader in a way right Mm -hmm. and so the whole show is about how can we replace this corrupt system with a non-corrupt system and you have uh, that's what the whole point of the foundation is supposed to be, right? Yeah. Uh, that's kind of Sareth's point to Don. You know, I don't want you to have, I don't want to have your bro- your brother's baby. I want to mm-hmm. have your baby because you don't have his eyes, his evil eyes. Okay. Um, and then you got Cermak in the in Terminus, who also has his own agenda, and what can happen with that? So things that start good get corrupted over time, and that's kind of the thing to the point where. I noticed at the end of the episode when Tellum goes to try to kill Salvor, she does yeah. the same exact hand gesture that Emperor Day does when he's going to kill somebody. She twists her fingers mm-hmm. in order to do it. I don't know if anybody else caught that out there, but I, th- I think that was an intentional decision to have her do that. Yeah. I mean, it's a little dismissive, right? It's just like, eh, shut up. <laughs> no talking. Yeah. Was that part? Was that one of those uh, Easter eggs that you were going to ask me about? No, no, it's not. I, I had two different observations. So you can um, save them. You can save them still. I'm, I'm wanna... going to save them. I'm going to save them. You know, if you, if you want to hear my my thoughts, maybe a theory of mine, you know, we'll wait till the end of the episode. And see, uh, see where it goes. See if we agree. Okay, cool. Or if well, you've we... seen it. Well, we pick up in this episode with Polly and Constant. They're being held prisoner in a very impressive looking room. They look like they're inside of a, a supercomputer, to be honest with you. I've got to say, I've got to say something. The, the, I guess, holding cell or whatever you want to call it that they're in reminded me a lot of the way that the music video for the Imagine Dragon song Gold looked. I don't know if you ever watched oh, that, no, but it, it just, it kind of reminded me of, of that video with the colors going on the atmosphere in there. It was interesting. It was a great, have, great music video, by the way. If you it. like lighting engineering, which you know I do, mm-hmm. given that's something I used to do, one of my favorite music videos to watch. But anyways, back to you. Interesting point there with the Imagine Dragons. Did you think it was a bit overkill? Polly and Constant are being held hostage here, and there's about 30 soldiers in the room. Maybe not 30, but there's like, like 15 of them in there just staring at each other. 
Well, it's, it's a sign of, you know, a show of force, but at the same time, then again, maybe the Empire doesn't know what they're dealing with with these two. Well, remember, uh, upon their entry to uh, Transport, they knew that something was on Constance, right? Like Yes, the dual scanned. It, exactly. So maybe this was just like, we're not quite sure, so let's add some extra protection. Yeah, well, they're pretty much in decent spirits, despite being in a pretty dire situation it's in my opinion whether they live is completely a it's in day's hands it's a 50 50 yeah like if, the only thing that can save them now is plot armor at this point yeah right uh which they play a very small role in this episode really just to get them to that encounter which it seems like the whole point of this mission was for harry to have his grandstanding moment in front of day let's if you really want to be Frank about Harry's intentions there, mm-hmm. which is kind of effed. It, he continues his trend of not trusting people and using them instead for his own devices. Yeah. And Dark Harry on Terminus is definitely not somebody who's divulging the details of his grand scheme. That's for sure. No, I would, I would agree with that. It was a little underwhelming, this whole interaction between... Harry and Day, or Harry and Empire. At this point, I feel like there could have been any any number of ways to to just be like, yeah, hey, we're we're alive, we're still here, we didn't die in this fake solar flare. I'm I'm also a little surprised that there wasn't maybe a little more. Um, I guess invest. I was gonna say investigation after they found that body floating in space earlier in this season. Though I mean, Bel Rios is out there. They're just moving kind of slow at the moment, building up some anticipation. You know what I'm not a fan of? No. I'm not a fan of the flashback epiphany moment of, of you know, when something happened. So I'm not a fan when it does that little flashback and it shows Harry kissing constant mm. on the head. Yeah. Not a fan of that. I would prefer to leave those moments up to the interpretation of the audience to be like, when the hell did he plant this? And then eventually let it go. But don't do it right in the moment. Because it's almost like we're breaking it and it's explicitly being done to inform the audience of when this occurred. Yeah. You know? It, 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 this one did not offend me quite as much as the one did earlier in the season, literally about the body that was flying, uh, floating in outer space. Remember back uh, from season one when yeah. the Grand yeah. Huntress just shot him? One of the dumbest decisions. I mean, from the Grand Huntress's perspective, right? But we got a, a couple of callbacks to that moment in this season because when we hear about the whisper ships in this episode and the technology that the Foundation has developed, yeah, the the theory Glaywin has is, or like his working theory as to how they have these ships that can jump in such a small space without a spacer mm-hmm. is that they have found a way to grow organic brain matter that's attached to the ship, which is an interesting... That's what we pretty much saw on the Invictus was the ship was plugged into the literal brains of people. So mm-hmm. I doubt the foundation's actually using corpses, like actual people. because <laughs> uh, that's a pretty dark turn. Yeah. Like how do you it say is. that how do you say that this is like a righteous yeah. little cause when they're literally plugging in someone as like a brain dead puppet, like uh like um X Men with um Remember in X Men? Did you watch X Men, the one that they really go into Wolverine's origins? And uh, you find out like like the experiments it did on him, and that that guy has a son, and his mm. son was like Xavier, but he, he was like mad evil, and so they had him like plugged into a bunch of crap. You don't remember that? I do. It's been a, I don't remember much of the plot, but I, I, I don't know I have... where that. I don't know where the hell I was going with that train of thought. <laughs> 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 oh yeah, yeah, because uh, the ships were connected to the brains of uh, yeah of the people, but yeah, it's hard to root for the people plugging in actual living humans to to power their ships you know yeah i mean i would imagine it's just like that they're growing some organic material or something i don't i don't really know i'm assuming Uh, there's not a long list of volunteers if it's not you know like there's always got to be a shortage of these volunteers you show them a magic trick and then they just say yes i'm willing just just take all the people (laughs) from sowena and just turn them into I wouldn't, like I wouldn't trust where the people from Sowena would end up taking me on a jump ship. Yeah, their brains. <laughs> Intentionally their brains or accidentally. Yeah. Sorry. You need a full like hijacking of their of their being because they're they're a bunch of numbnuts on that planet. Anyway. Yeah. Sarith. I think probably the most interesting 
dynamic in this episode is that Sarah has decided of all times to use her use her dirty laundry day to, to air the dirty laundry on Demerzel, and she didn't do it in my opinion at an opportune time because although I still have a hard time reading Lady Demerzel here mm-hmm. um she does put Sarah in her place and really Sarah's last remedy is to pretty much what's the word I'm looking for um She's accepted her fate pretty much as like a political prisoner, you know, yeah. who's just tied to the bed of day, putting out kids. But she would like her first kid to be with Don. Question is, what if she Don cranks out a girl? Like, what if they have a girl? You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I guess it's time for number two. But what I'm trying to say <laughs> is that like, you better get it right on the first one. Because once they get a hold of her, then it's like no, no letting go there. Very true. Yeah. No, I mean, look, if it's a girl, I would imagine Empire wants to have a boy. So they're going to they're gonna keep doing this. They're going to mo- do the same move again would be my guess. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Although it is 2023, so I could totally see like a shift in the writing where they're like, you know, make the girl the emperor, you know, something like that. But yeah, but if it's if it's Empire, right, like if, it, if it's coming from dawn, day, dusk true- and if it's true to the character yeah. of how these guys are on the show, it, they're not rolling with a girl as the no, Emperor. Sorry. It's got, it's got to be as close as possible to I'm sorry. Them. I'm sorry who that offends out there. I'm sure that's going to earn a two-star review. But it's just the case. Day, come on. Look at Day, man. Well, day, we, day we've had anybody. 17 generations of the same man. Yeah. I think, nah. No yeah, there, there's, been, there's been a history where there's been, um, I guess, what empresses here? Yeah, uh, as we see from some of the the mural items, so it's not like true. a new idea. True, true. But well, I think goes, it. I think it's. Point. I think it goes against the culture that would be dawn, day, dusk, and darkness. I will say this: I'd rather you know Sarath be ruling than than day over. If I was like just a random middle class guy, <laughs> of course, I'd be like, finally, someone for us. Jesus, like, <laughs> like I just know somebody living in the middle class. In the, uh, what do they call the spot where the- The scar. The, living in the scar, you know, yeah. flipping, you know, fried pan, you know fried food in the middle of the street market at night. Like, yep. please let her rule. Yeah, do what we got to do to- Give me something different over these last, what, uh, 100? You know, anti-establishment candidate, Sarah, you know? Yeah. All right. But she is taken for medical testing and it seems that her plan to try to seduce Don and have his kid is in the works already because she- does her best to put off as much of this process as possible. Yep. So she can have her conversation with him. But this is before she finds out that Demerzel killed her family or was behind the killing of her family. So she had this plan regardless of getting this information or not. If you think about it, because she looks, she gives a nod to her, you know, her henchman or whatever she calls him, her handman mm-hmm. who, who, <laughs> who steals the, the genital clamp. I don't know what that thing is. <laughs> I wrote a side note on there. If you were handed this object and said just to, you do what you got to do, like what are you doing with it? It has like a giant needle. Oh God, I don't even want to look at it. <laughs> she hands it, he, he holds it up because she is pretty much being put through a painful public, you know, uh, yeah. examination with these very creepy doctors who are being held there against their will clearly. And, uh, <laughs> it's, you know, not the most, uh, friendly bedside manner going on here. It, rem- it reminds me of, of back in the day when you had to consummate the marriage in front of people. Oh yeah. There's a thing, mm-hmm. there's a scene in Game of Thrones with that. Uh, oh, is there? They don't actually do it, but it's, uh, it's a whole thing in Game of Thrones. I'm not going to spoil it. Um, you gotta watch that show already. I'm, I'm gonna, I mean, you. You still bring that up every episode. So it will be watched by me at it's some the, point. When it's I the, the most podcast worthy show that has ever existed. Like when House of the Dragon season two comes back, like we got to do a pod on House of the Dragon, 100%. I mean, the, the only thing bad that I've heard about Game of Thrones has been that. that what? There's, there's one scene that's color graded too dark. Um, and then there was some other story I heard about, you know, dicks flying around the entire screen everywhere. <laughs> That's I mean, about any, it. any HBO show, I think you got the wrong <laughs> HBO show for that one, but uh, 
I don't know. Um, but I don't because I don't recall like a scene where like with dicks flying around everywhere. But I'm just, I, I'm, that, but there I'm, is this is what I've heard. I've never watched the show, so <laughs> maybe that's a different Game of Thrones. Maybe that was like a spin-off adult version that you were. I, I didn't. To. I didn't watch it. I, I'm just telling you what I've heard. This is yeah. secondhand knowledge. Game of Bones. Anyway, um, <laughs> on Ignis, Gail is practicing. Actually, I want to talk a little bit more about Demerzel because she talks a little bit about she fully exposed herself as a human human form robot. Mm-hmm. She doesn't know whether she's the only one that currently exists, but she does say that she is the last one. It's just that they used to have three laws. She doesn't mention all three, although we've been given the three robotic laws from, from an emailer out there, which we don't have mm-hmm. to read right now. But she did say that one of those laws was that they could not harm humans. Yeah. And that law, her programming has been simplified to one law now, which is serve empire. Hmm. So she is free to do whatever she wants if it's in the interest of serving empire. And Sarah is concerned that now that she's going to be the queen, that she is not going to be um, essentially given a fair shake. She's going to be living at a disadvantage because she doesn't know the family secrets. Uh, she's going to be living with this freaking killer robot who is, you know, sleeping with her husband and also um, not serving her, right? Yeah. Well, would it be fair to say that Empire is also not aware of the family secrets as well? Given that there's a lot of data missing from, which we haven't back. seen any more of, of this yet either. That's a loose end that needs to be fixed because we know Dusk is investigating that currently. And we yeah. haven't seen Dusk in about two episodes in terms of anything happening. Substantial. Yeah. Apparently next episode, something's going on with Dusk. I haven't watched any like on the next episode of or anything like that, but the thumbnail is him and Rue. And... um. That is a good question. Demerzel at this point does have all of the information while these brothers are dealing with just limited cataphiles of data. Yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pretty much, Sarah has played her hand here, and it didn't go well. Demerzel has essentially said, if you have any sort of inkling of having any revenge, mm-hmm. end it now, because I'll kill you like I did your family. That's pretty much what happens in this episode. Yeah, we, we, we definitely get confirmation, quite a bit of confirmation in this episode that Empire was behind um, her family's death. You know, w- when I first watched this episode, I thought that Sarah was like very f- foolish at the the timing when she kind of showed her hand that she knew what Demerzel was. And I think that initial moment um, where she tells Demerzel that she knows she basically she's, she's a robot. I still think that was foolish timing, but I get it when she's in the room here trying to do whatever she can to end what's happening right now, or at least suspend it for a little bit. That, that one I get. I think that one was okay. Calling well, Demerzel out as Empire's little toy. I think Demerzel allowed her to get away with the first one. But then when she outed her that she's having, you know, relations with Day, that was the final straw, which I did write a side note. I said, I can't read Demerzel still, but does she feel embarrassment like a human would if she was like outed like that mm-hmm. in front of the entire, you know, staff or medical I don't know that sh- that I would feel embarrassment if I were her simply because I know I can wipe their their memories, right? Like this wouldn't be the first time of this season where she was, I guess, true, outed true. in some way, right? Like when she yeah. had to go run naked day into this bath to prevent him from being poisoned. To- yeah, she wiped everyone's memory from that. Yeah. All right. On Ignis, Gail's practicing. She doesn't want Salvor to disrupt anything like we've talked about, but Salvor wants to get the hell off this planet. She doesn't trust Tellum and she doesn't. Trust the fact that she can't feel anything in this planet. Everything's just blank to her at this point. Mm. We get a couple of interesting moments where um, this little boy who Savor was connecting with last episode. Yeah. He interrupts the conversation between Gail and Savor. And I do wonder one of two things here, because at the point he interrupted the conversation, Salvor was essentially saying, we got to get out of here. You know, yeah. we got to find out what's going on. 
and the boy interrupts at that point. And I do wonder if he is working outside of Tellum's control or whether he's working inside of Tellum's control to interrupt this conversation to bring them to dinner, where they have that weird moment where they're boiling the mollusks alive and they're screaming. And I wonder what the symbolism is there in that scene and whether mm-hmm. um, that's some sort of demented results of what Tellum's got going on on this planet or whether that is simply the powers that be that when you're a metallic, you have empathy for any sort of death occurring. I would imagine that it is probably the latter. I, 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 it wouldn't be the first time that I've heard something like that in a movie or a TV show. So that feels most natural to me that, you know, they, they would actually naturally feel that, you know, like you're, you're living off the land, right? Like you're, you're living in this remote place, right? It helps you. It helps prevent you from being greedy, I guess, right? Um, but as far as is the kid acting on his own, I don't. I don't think so. I I I feel like I have a, a, a just a really weird feeling with Tellum that everything about these people that that they believe at least is a lie. Right, like even even their kid. savior like stories of or, or memories of tell them just coming out of nowhere like it feels too suspicious to me i feel oh, like yeah, she yeah, put yeah. them in those positions just so she could arrive as the hero no i think that she altered their memories the way demerzel alters memories to make herself the hero in their trauma mm. trauma filled past but part of me wants this boy to be the mule in the future like that's that's kind of why i keep bringing him up <laughs> Because I kind of hope for some sort of connection to the mule that he's actually in this community here. <laughs> um, so I do, I do hope for that in some way that he's like we're seeing his Anakin origin style, story. Yeah. you know, yeah, his origin story, so to speak, you know. Yeah. All right, uh, Lauren, the guy who has the half scarred face, uh, yep. who doubled up as Hugo earlier in the season two. Mm, Trick Salvor into letting him into the uh, the ship. I think Salvor's only hope right now is that Lauren turns on Tellum, that he's gained some sort of feelings for her. And um, in my opinion, he, he kind of signals her towards where Harry is, right? By looking to the boat. I mean, it's kind of a stupid thing to do. Yeah. When the only person you're trying to fool on the island is right there and they're bringing a boat in. Like, she wouldn't have noticed if he didn't turn his head like that. Yeah. So, I have a feeling he's pretty smart and he will be a figure who lasts even when Tellum's gone. Because I think Tellum absolutely gets offed or just, you know, she exits stage right, you know? I think she's going to have to die. Right? Like she's, she's like the head that controls everything here. You're going to cut the head off the snake, but, you know, Gail would have to take her place. Yeah. Speaking of someone Free needing everybody. to die, we got to bring someone up later in this episode who needs to die. Which, by the way, did you notice Tellum actually bites the head off of a I mollusk with, before it even gets boiled alive? Yeah. So there's something off about this woman, man, and she, she doesn't even kill it in one bite. She bites it and then puts it back down, pretty much. Anyways, uh, to Hober, he has given a great proposition to the home swarm. To she at the center, I think is the name. At the, she oh, is one. center. She is center. Well, she is center. Ain't having it. So she has gone back to the empire side. She's no longer at the center, and uh, she essentially the deal is that. Hober is offering her opalesk because the foundation has managed to find a way to synthesize opalesk in a way that they would no longer need to be tithing 10% of their um, offspring yeah. to the empire to be their spacing navigators. It's a very good proposition. The problem is, is that her own daughter has been tithed to the empire. So she has a very deep conflict of interest here where, you know, like any parent, they're going to put their kid first and not want to put them in harm's way. And uh, maybe she changes her mind if she's able to get her kid back. You know, you never know. But uh, she does turn on Hober and reports him to her daughter, who happens mm-hmm. to be on the ship with Bel Rios and Glaywin, who we that's the person we got to talk about in this episode about what could, what does Glaywin mean to Bell? And what could his, you can bring up the point because you're the one who brought it up, of how him dying could alter everything in a possibly a more interesting way for the show. Do you want to bring that up now? 
Yeah, let's do it because they get a debrief on about, about the whisper ship from what's the name of the other one? She who bends light. Or she like bends that? light. She bends light. Man, they got to do something about these names with the spacers. <laughs> she bends light. Talks to she is center, and you know, come on. Uh, she gets. They get debriefed on the whisper ship, learning that the home swarm has custody of it, and that the home swarm's on their way to turn in this ship and this traitor, Hober Mallow, to Bell and Glaywin. Glaywin's yeah. reading the story who of the um that was given to him on Sawena. And now bring up your point about Glaywin because he's uh, he's annoyingly frustrating in this episode. Again, Glaywin is just generally annoying in the episodes that, that he's been in. But just you the, know, the first the last two well, has he only only been in two? Uh two, maybe three. Maybe three, but the I can't last remember two, how quickly the first you know the, thing the, he was in progressed. The last two in particular is is what we're talking about, and this one's worse than the last one. But we'll, all right, go ahead. Yeah. So I mean, anyways, basically, like we we get this little flash of like, you know, maybe there could be this coup or something. You know, Empire falls. There's going to be a power vacuum. You know, you get the sense that maybe Bell, you know, would would be for that. Um, but you know, he basically says that he hasn't. Anyways, my my point was that as as Bell says, like if if I go against Empire again, like he's not gonna kill me. What's gonna happen is he's gonna kill you and make me watch that over and over and over and over again. If Glaywin is killed and Glaywin dies somehow, yes. That would free Bell Rios from the grip of Empire. He would at be least, free to do least, what he wants. At least the biggest leverage that they have on him, right? Yeah. Because Anything that happens, which that's why, that's why Glaywin's really annoying in this episode because he acts as if Bell is speaking from a self-interested, self-preservation perspective. Because mm-hmm. Bell literally says, "What do you think is going to happen if we betray, if I disobey one order?" And Glaywin goes, "Oh, they'll kill you." And he's like, "No, you idiot! They'll kill you and torture me with it for the rest of time." And then yeah. he, Bell brings up a probably one of the best moments in the episode. He kind of has like this monologue of, you know, pretty much saying how naive Glaywin is really like he's just a naive pea-brained individual mm-hmm. because bell has already played out all the scenarios in his head i'm sure while he was in prison mining opalesk on on that uh mining colony that um he was thinking about okay how can we revolt in a way that's best for everybody and he played it all out he said the foundation's too young the empire's too huge to manage so what happens is a power vacuum that occurs where the corrupt elevates a power again and so he's concluded that the only, the best case scenario for all of the people, for the largest amount number of people in the empire, is for the empire to remain and not to fall. So he's played it all out in his head while Glaywin's like, well, we'll kill Day, and then we'll kill Dusk and Dawn, and then if they put him back, we'll kill him again. I'm like, it's just a <laughs> he's dumb- He's so naive, man. Yeah, but you know, I have a feeling you're right that he's probably going to die. Yeah. And he's going to be one of the first casualties, and it'll unleash Bell- as a very interesting character who's now who no longer um shackled to the to the idea that he's going to have, you know, his lover uh tortured or killed, yeah. you know? So Yeah. Although it'd probably be more effective to torture Glaywin in perpetuity than um like it would probably be more effective for no, cuz I think Bell's I, I think Bell's the Glaywin, type I I feel like the, the the mission would then be how do I how do I please Empire to get him back right No I like, think it, I think it would freed. be I think it'd be the opposite I think it would be uh this guy's gonna die anyways I gotta go all out and try to take him out because then he'll die for sure you know because think about it you know what's better for someone to be tortured for the rest of time or for them to just die immediately Well I I, no, I, I do get that but there's always this hope that I could save him I could save him and you're going to second guess and question every single thing that you do if Claywin is dead you're going to be freed from that thought you're going to you you have there's no consequences for your decision at that point Yeah yeah so True. that's my True. argument I think it makes it more interesting I look I didn't like that Hober got away kind of I I felt like it would have been more interesting if he had been Captured. Kept, kept, yeah, captured for a little bit. I, I want to see a day versus Hober type of, you know, verbal uh, spat. <laughs> I, I think that would be very entertaining. But um, he does get away and where he's going to, we don't know. Did you notice how cool it was that she at center, her like, her body in the dark looks like a galaxy. Like it looks like this, like a starry, starry night. 
Yeah, I mean, I think every uh, every spacer is like every that. Every spacer we, does, but we've never seen one like in the in pitch darkness, pitch Very black true. darkness. Yeah, it, it he, occurs after. It occurs when he's about to take off. Right when he's going to take off. Yeah, you know, I I thought the uh, technology inside of the spacers was pretty cool. Like they can just literally communicate like walkie-talkie, no matter where they are in the universe. It's pretty impressive. You sounded kind of New Yorker there when you went walkie-talkie. A walkie-talkie. I wrote a uh, side note: the the spacers need some interior decoration help because there ain't like there ain't a piece of furniture in this place. It's just no. an empty, you know, hallway everywhere. Well, do you need furniture if you float in space? Like you know, it isn't like every position you're in kind of like laying down. If you're just floating in space, it's not like you're standing. There's no gravity. There's no pole on your body. Dude, so I why do you need a chair? Why do you need a couch? Because because people like nice things, man. Yeah, I mean, they're not people anymore. They are human. That that is I, anymore, very anymore. that is very uh, insensitive that you would say that about the spacers. Hey, listen, I'd rather be called a spacer than a human. Come on. All right, <laughs> it's true. like going back to version one dot It's true. It's true. It's true. <laughs> Uh, were you surprised that when Hober jumps with the ship that there wasn't more severe health consequences for <laughs> Bell and Glaywin? I was. I was. I was like, man, if that were like, if you were standing behind a jet engine, you'd, you'd be dead. It was interesting that Glaywin makes a comment. He says, he can take half the home swarm if he jumps in the middle of the shit. What if he actually took half the home swarm with that jump? Because the spacers can jump with no issue. Yeah. So what if he actually took half the home swarm and now you got like a faction of home swarm that is for because there's got to be another leader besides she what is it she said she is center she's center <laughs> all right mario does not like she is center i don't i, do. I don't think I he just, took half the, the home swarm i really don't um i, I do mean, but if i got surprised if i got to talk about each spacer with she is center he is moon you know <laughs> it's gonna get old fast man <laughs> all right day and sarah meet on the same bench that another day spoke to Azura on, which made me wonder if Azura was put in with some, a similar type of holding cell that Polly and Brother Constant find themselves in in this episode. Yeah, I mean, according to day of last season, she would... Would she still be alive? Like, I don't think being shrouded, like, makes no, you live any longer. No, but she said he was going to pretty much mechanically keep her alive. Like, ah, right, right, yeah. So she could That's be. interesting. Very interesting. Very horrible. Literally hell. Yeah, pretty much. You know what I noticed with Sarath kind of towards the latter end of this episode? No. She doesn't blink. Yeah, but she, yeah she, she goes quite a while without blinking. She goes a long time without blinking. Like I, was I mean, just she's kind of in me. shock, right? Like she, she's, yeah. she's upset. Like I, I kind of get it. You're zoning out because you're just like, you're, you're kind of going through the emotions. Yeah. You know, when she's telling Day about her family and trying to like you know evoke an emotional response <laughs> personalize it really i almost thought we were getting empathy and remorse from day for a moment and maybe we were but we might have we might have but then you have to think this is a man who has been raised to rule and he has to think of things as a ruler most of the time mm -hmm. so at this point i'm thinking to myself he might have had remorse about this this situation this decision but it serves no benefit to the empire and to his dynasty to show this remorse and this empathy. And so he doubles no. down on control and force. Well, the other thing is as a leader, like I feel like, like when you, if you make a decision, you've got to commit to it fully. That's right? what I'm like saying. You, yeah. you, can't, you can't go back, oh, whoops, I didn't mean that. Uh, you, you, you've got to own it. Well, part of me was hoping that this was a Demerzel decision and that there would be a moment where he could like she, she acted independently, you mean? Yes. And that I day would that say like, moment. you know, you know, he, maybe he would have drifted off into a new monologue. Maybe it would be, maybe it would be BS the entire thing. Yeah. But he goes and says, you know, I didn't want to do that. Demerzel said yeah. it was a necessity, which would make him weak, right? It would, but he could have also spun it that Demerzel did it on her own accord and he which, found out about it after the fact which would remove the element of his weakness but it and would absolve leave, him of this crime but then she would demand Demerzel's blood yeah and he's in lo low key in love with Demerzel so that's that also true that ain't that's a fair point which by the way earlier in the episode I did you get the sense that Demerzel was trying to stop this marriage from occurring because Day has to push himself away from her in the beginning 
Demerzel's motives still confuse me a bit. Right, like I'm I, lost I, with her, man. We're seven episodes in, and I understand her less than I did on episode one. I I thought I understood her back, yeah, literally back in like episode one. I was like, oh yeah, she she wants the downfall of this, and I'm I just, I'm a little confused. Like I find myself, I think I mentioned in the instant reaction, I find myself going back on on my original thought of her a little bit. I'm still very suspicious, but I'm less convinced that she is just trying to, you know destroy the empire i don't think she understands herself the most illuminating look we get into her motivations is when they show us that brief shot of her clutching that salt crystal yeah what was day expecting here i mean he seems to really like sarah in a way you know he's he is um intrigued by her mm-hmm. but at the same time you know you you kill their family man like it's never going to be true love here it's it's not it felt like ever since the beginning this felt like a very political move to him and if it weren't they wouldn't be together like even though she is interesting and i do think he does find parts of her interesting he already has his love it's demersel what kind of parts like, are, what parts are we talking i'm just kidding. uh <laughs> well he <laughs> hasn't gone that far with her yeah. yet so i don't know he couldn't yeah. get it up but oh true yeah i forgot about that he was like um what's the word for that impotent Incom- impotent yeah Don and Sarath. She meets Don in this tunnel that is of the same tunnel that the Don we had in season one used to escape Trantor, right? Hmm. So, well, he didn't escape Trantor, but he escaped the palace life. And we get a reference of him here from this Don, who's also risking his life for love, right? Yes. Uh I don't believe she's in love with him. I think she might grow to love him, but it's a suicide mission that really, it is pretty enticing for him because he's being written out of the legacy of the Cleons. He's no, he's going to be the only Cleon, the only Don who doesn't go to the throne to rule. So this is his chance to uh, get back a day for this very one-sided ego-driven decision mm-hmm. to put his own interest ahead of the family's. Although we do get some motivations as to why supposedly Day is doing what he's doing. Yeah. But it does seem Don agrees to having, you know, to having sex with Sarath to give her a baby. Right? Yeah, sex or whatever you do at this point. I'm I, assuming, I they, I'm assuming they have a way to have a boy. I'm assuming they have like a way at this point in the future to just specifically have a boy because they're well, not with, taking into with- account. I mean, technology that we have today, like what what is it, CRISPR or something, like you can genetically modify offspring right like before they're born so you can i do believe so yeah yeah like i've, I've heard stories of like you you can control like the color of the eyes like you, you're really able to, to manipulate um genes and, and, and just general things like that so it's very likely that they could just be picking and maybe that's why there was some like medical procedure that they were going to do i would absolutely never do that no it's hard it's terrifying because god not knows only, what, not what's going to come out of that not only terrifying but like Scientists are always changing their mind with new findings, okay? You know, Seriously. you don't want to be on version one of CRISPR when you find out like, hey, uh, version one. Yeah. <laughs> We're migrating to V2. Everybody on version yeah. one died for some yeah. reason. They grew a tail and like yeah. you could see at the night. I don't, I don't know. You get those infomercials. If you were part of CRISPR <laughs> version one, you may be entitled to losses. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, Paulie and Constant, they meet Day. And they bring him an atomic ashtray. I, I wanted a close-up of the atomic ashtray. Yeah, I didn't see it. Well, it was a present. They came bearing the gift of the yeah. atomic ashtray, which is kind of like a middle finger, if you, I guess, right? Because they're the ashtray of the galaxy? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, I've heard that that gift had more to do with the book than it did the show or anything. Huh. I got to look that up and see. Maybe we'll bring it to the next episode. I found that Day was amused by all of the, this entire encounter more than he was actually taking it seriously. He seemed very yeah. prepared for this. You know, if this was aired live as a as a political debate, Day wins, you know, in terms of the way he handled this encounter. All right. We mm-hmm. have Polly, similar to Hober, he is presenting an offer to the powers that be. They want sovereignty. They want peace with mm-hmm. Empire. They want Terminus to be their its own sovereign uh, nation or planet. Yeah. And Day pretty much laughs in his face saying like, absolutely not. 
where Hober is, you know, giving a deal to the Spacers, and they're declining that as well. Mm-hmm. The key moment of all of this is Constant having her Harry moment. Harry really doesn't say anything other than bluffing that they would be able to defeat the Empire mathematically, like it's mathematically proven. I'm like, okay, then why did you come here? Why give them that heads up, that scouting report? You owe them no favors. We know already that most of your motive is based in revenge, right? For mm-hmm. what they did to Yana. So we know that that's BS. And there's an emailer who wrote in, I disagree with you. I do not believe that the Foundation has a single chance. Not even Harry believes that the Foundation has a chance to defeat the Empire. He says it. He says the first, they're not meant to, like they're meant to be doing like busy work, like to pretty much take the bullets mm-hmm. while the second Foundation takes a, takes a grip, right? So look, it's not enough time to defeat the Empire. They, maybe if you give them another 500 years, they would have a chance, but not. No way. They could eviscerate their planet in one shot. Hands down, okay? Now, Day wins this confrontation additionally because he has this defining moment where he says, what kind of guy are you worshiping that you're serving? That he uses his own uh, prophets, his own disciples, and doesn't tell them you know, anything about what he's doing. And pretty much like he uses them to send them across the galaxy to deliver a message that, you know, did it really need... That's the question I have. Did this encounter really need to occur? Yeah. I don't have the answer to that. Um, I do agree with you that I don't think Foundation has a chance at surviving. I mean, literally, let, let's think back to season one, early in season one, and how quickly Day was able to send a, a fleet of spaceships to Thespis and Anacreon and blow up the planets. Yeah. I don't need you to know the answer to what's going to happen, but did you think that this encounter was necessary? If you're a strategist, you're a paid military strategist for the termites. (laughs) The termites. (laughs) The termites. What are you saying about this? How are you advising here? It's an interesting question. You're damn right it is, advice. That's why you get paid the money. So give us the answers. I'm Cermak right now. Oh yeah. What do you want us to do here? Is this before sending uh, yeah, these people? Yeah, before here? Okay, we got them on the ship. Are we going to send them? What are we doing? We send the Harry hologram. What do we do? I I wouldn't send. I mean, I feel like you're just poking a hornet's nest, right? It, I mean, maybe the only thing that could have been going on here was like this was like a counter mission to what was going on with Hober. So maybe. Maybe they didn't jump to conclusions and just immediately blow them up. And they're like, oh, maybe they're looking for peace. But there's something else interesting here. Uh, but was it necessary? I, I, don't, I don't know. I really don't think it was. I definitely don't think it was necessary to send uh, a bit of Harry along on this mission. That, just, that felt personal to me. Thank you. Thank you, advisor. Thank you. You're welcome. You, can go, you can go back to your diplomatic lounge okay, and chill there for the remainder. The episode. Uh, I found it interesting that we found out that Day studied Selden's work when he was a youth. And so he he knows his work very deeply to the point that he says, and we got to take him at his word here, that the reason he's ending the genetic clone is because that was supposed to be the downfall of the galaxy. Now, there's a lot of YouTube commenters on our channel who have pretty much said, this surely cannot be the end of the Cleons, right? They're not going to get rid of the Cleons this season. And I agree. There's no way oh, that we yeah, get rid of these Cleons this season. Yeah. Well, at the end of this encounter, Brother Constant gets zapped to all hell. And <laughs> she seems to have survived this zap. And they're taken back. She did survive it 100%. But yeah. they're taken back to imprisonment. We do find out that she is a Thespin, which we did theorized earlier in the season, which has to mean that she's related to Hugo in some way. You just want that to be the case. It is. It's got to be the case. It has to be the case. I hope I hope it is the case. Or maybe I don't, because that means Hugo moved on. The Salvor Hugo thing can never occur again. You know. I mean, there, there were more Thespans that came to Terminus towards the end of the season, yeah. last season. So, All right. Well, let's move on to Ignis. Salvor pulls the thread that shall not be or should not have been pulled, but it really should have been pulled because if there was any chance of saving Harry, it was because Salvor disobeyed Gale's orders here. Mm. Uh, She finds the ship. She finds out that the history has been wiped on the ship, but she finds a way to use the navigation cache 
to take them take it back to the last known place it sailed to. She decides to go anyways. It seems that Tellum's onto her the entire time. She discovers Harry in this torture tidal pool that apparently got destroyed, so they had to rebuild another one in a parking lot in Los Angeles. Uh, really? Tell him, tell him, yeah, it's, uh, that's what I heard oh. from uh, one of our listeners. And Tellum catches her and seemingly kills Salvor as well with Lauren and this crying Samoan-looking guy next to her. Yeah. He looked like he was crying, right? The guy standing yeah, next to Tellum? Yeah, I, I, saw, I saw it here. That was one of the... One of the things that I so that means Gail's notice that means Gail's message of psychohistory must have really touched him because I noticed he was in that scene as well. So maybe he maybe these two turn on Tellum, um, in this encounter because it seems like Tellum doesn't want to actually kill Salvor, so she just wants the water to do it for her. You know, yeah, maybe she just takes pleasure in seeing people suffer. I don't know. Well, we're left with a double cliffhanger episode back to back. Harry facing up in the pool, now Salvor facing down in the pool, and we're left with the question of whether those two will survive next episode, whether Don is going to impregnate Sarath, whether Hober, where the hell Hober's going, whether the home swarm will turn on Empire, and whether Brother Constant and Polly will survive. Yeah, I feel like they're going to have some plot armor. I hope so. And that rounds out our coverage, our deep dive coverage of episode seven, season two of Foundation. Great, great episode. Look, I, I made the comment on the instant reaction. The, the episode six I liked more than this one, but this one was still a solid episode. There was a lot of, I guess, uh, pieces moving into position in this episode. Yeah. I'm excited for what it's setting up in the next one. Continuously leaving me with more questions. Yeah, which I suppose it should as as we near the the finale. Let's get into categories. Let's do it. Favorite character of the episode. Hmm. Sarath. Okay, Sarath. Sarath was my first pick, so I'm gonna go ahead. I guess I'll zag a little. I'll go with Day. Feels like Day can be picked any episode. He's yeah. very he Lee Pace is really good, man. He's he is, really good. He, he is good. And I, I do really enjoy this version of Day. I, I find him very interesting. Yeah. Favorite scene in the episode. Hmm. I got one. Alright, you go first then. Mine was uh was Sarah at the OBGYN. I, I was gonna, I was gonna choose that. Yeah, I'll double down with you there. Okay. How about favorite line? I liked Polly saying, "Well, this must be the diplomatic lounge." I thought that was, <laughs> thought that was great. I thought I liked that they bring a bit of what we know about, like in airports and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I you know because this is the future, so if we're coming from a future like ours, you know, or mm -hmm. like from our present then that sort of thing should exist in the future, you know? Yeah. So I found yeah. that pretty hilarious. Yours? Uh, my my favorite line, I'm not going to say it quite accurate, but it was it was from Day to Polly, and he, he said something like, ah, genuine, dull-eyed, like, shock or surprise or something along those yeah. lines. Yeah. I like that one. I thought it was Love interesting. It. Okay. Any, any other categories this week? Categories, no, but I want to get into a couple things that I, I either saw or had a question about. You mentioned one of them, which was okay. the tear running down the uh, that guy's face. I was wondering if that was maybe, um, if it was what you said and it was something Gail had said to everybody that struck a chord with him, or could it have been a little more personal to the fact that Salvor was the one in, in the pool? Um, there's no way Salvor and Harry die. That's just kind of my, my position here. I don't, I don't think so either. So I think he was touched by what Gail, I feel, I think Gail has found a way to break free from okay. Tellum in a way that is going to be pivotal in terms mm -hmm. of, um, in terms of saving 
um, Harry and Salvor in time. So I don't know what's going to occur there, but I think it has something to do with what Gail was saying earlier in the episode at her at the little round, uh, little lunch gathering they had. Okay. Um, another thing that that I was curious about, and this one's more of a question. I noticed that both Gail and Tellum said something to Salvor about pulling threads. Do you think there's any any reason other than just? I did notice that too. Like, do do you think there's something more there? Or is that just like makes sense in the story? Let's let's use threads again. I think Tellum was probably. I know I said earlier in the episode that she mm -hmm. wasn't controlling that scene, but I think that was Tellum on the beach, pretty much. Like that yeah. might have not been Gale at all who went up to her on the beach. That's kind of what I was thinking. That's probably the only way that Tellum would know to be at and the tide pool at the time, and probably the only way that Gale is going to be able to save her. You know that she yeah. wasn't there. You know. Yeah. Okay, so the last thing I'm going to bring up is something that, that I noticed. And I don't know if this is either a, what do you call it when you see something in a show that's not supposed to be there? A plot hole? Eh, maybe, maybe pl plot hole feels too too strong. Like a, like a, a, a gaff or something, just like something that, that shouldn't have made it out on the final edit. Oh, like I can't a, tell if like it's the, that. Like the airplane in Troy that you can see in the movie Troy? Maybe. You know, there's, there's a scene where you can literally see an airplane flying in the sky. In I did not, I did not know that. But okay, yeah, something similar to that. When we see uh, Salvor getting over near Harry in the tide pool, there is this splash of water that comes over him. And I'm going to try and find the timestamp so y'all can go pull it up if you want and continuously scroll it back and watch it to see if you see the same thing. But when the water like comes to splash down on him, I, I swear I see him start to squint. <laughs> like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not even messing with you. Like I, I, I rolled it back multiple times. I took photos of this because when I see him here, you know, Harry is the master of psycho history, Zach. If he can predict the stampede of a moon strike, he probably predicted the wave tidal pattern <laughs> and the way water splashes. So he has positioned his head perfectly, floating. To avoid death. It's, it's very it's very possible, but <laughs> I, I want I want you to watch this in a minute because I'm I'm pretty sure it's coming up any second now. So this is right around 53 minutes in the episode. Okay. It's looking at his left side. It's kind of close up on or it's getting more close up on, on his face, and there's just this splash. It looks like he like he starts to squint. And I don't know if that's just like something that happened when they were filming and they thought it was so small that no one's going to notice that. Or if maybe, maybe he really is alive in this. I didn't notice it. Has it happened yet? Let's see. You know, speaking of these tidal pools. Um, I think it's right here. Here. Hold on. Oh, it's yeah. right there. It's minute 54. It's like right around second 10. I didn't. I didn't catch it because it's all gray on top. But I did catch Tellum twisting her hand in the way that uh, Day does when she flips Salvor around. I don't know if you saw that. I did. I did. It's interesting. You know, the ro he squints. Maybe. I, 100% you know, he squints. I hopefully, that means he's alive. <laughs> <laughs> You know, um, this is like an outdoor pool, like the water is coming in from the ocean, right? Mm -hmm. uh, when I was in uh, Jerusalem, I went to this place called Caesarea by the Sea. Yeah. And uh, the Romans, you can still see the Romans like tidal pools. They literally were it's on the Mediterranean Sea, like Bahama-like water, like just completely see-through. You know, yeah. you could literally see your, you know, you could probably stand in it and see your feet type of clear water. Uh, and you could see like the, artic like the very uh, articulate detail. In the deep, like the, you could still see the mosaic like, patterns, like from yeah. the Roman times. It's insane, but they, like that's the thing. So it always kind of like think about the the Roman roots in this show. Yeah, I, I literally saw it. You know, that would be the um, <laughs> that was actually the place we went to. Herod's was it Herod? Um, I have to look it up. It was where where Paul goes before he's shipped off to Rome. Mm. Anyways, but uh, he makes an appeal because he was a Roman citizen as well. So um. What was it going to say? But it was interesting that this is like a title pool and the show yeah. is like about that. I was like, eh, it was pretty cool. That's cool. But, all right. Is that it?
that's all she wrote. Hey, did you know Invasion is ranking number one on Apple TV right now? So the season two premiere, even after Foundation launched after them this week, because Invasion comes out on Wednesdays, um, it is number one still. So it has maintained number one. I'm wondering if Invasion is catching some fire in popularity um, with it. And if you haven't caught the show yet, it's about an alien invasion and it pretty much captures and tells the story of this invasion through four people's lives on Earth. So really good. I'm excited for episode two, and uh, that's we're going to probably be dropping coverage on that either Wednesday morning or Wednesday night for that show, and that's it. Zach, you do the rest of the outro. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of Foundation by Story Archives. You can find this podcast anywhere you find podcasts, Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. You can visit us on YouTube at Soapbox Podcast Network, where you'll see a bunch of different playlists for the different shows we've been covering over there. You can visit our website at Soapbox.house, email us at contact at Soapbox.house, and we do have two links in the description below. One to sign up for a quarterly newsletter, and the other to fill out a survey that we have open right now as we continue to build the network. Perfect. We hope you all enjoyed this episode. As always, like, review, five stars. Help us combat the negative insurgents who are trying to take down our empire. Right? Because we know Bell already, Bell already told you guys this episode. He said the alternative is much worse. So just kidding. Thank you all for tuning in. Until next time, please respect and enjoy the peace. Peace.